Chapter Fifteen of *The Wooden Horse* by Hugh Walpole. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Fifteen. It was five o'clock of the same day, and Harry was asleep in front of his fire. In the early hours of the afternoon, the strain under which he had been during the past week began to assert itself, and every part of his body seemed to cry out for sleep. His head was throbbing, his legs trembled, and strange lights and figures danced before his eyes. He flung himself into a chair in his small study at the top of the West Tower, and fell asleep. He had grown to love that room very dearly. The great stretch of the sea and the shining sand with the grey bending hills hemming it in, that view was never the same, but with the passing of every cloud held new colours like a bowl of shining glass. The room was bare and simple, that had been his own wish. A photograph of his first wife hung over the mantelpiece, a small sketch of Auckland Harbour, a rough drawing of the terraces before their destruction, these were all his pictures. He had been trying to read since his return, and copies of The Egoist and some of Swinburne's poetry lay on the table, but the first had seemed incomprehensible to him, and the second indecent, and he had abandoned them but he had made one discovery thanks to bethel walt whitman's leaves of grass it seemed to him the greatest book that he had ever read the very voicing of all his hopes and ideals and faith ah that man knew benham came in and drew the curtains he watched the sleeping man for a moment and nodded his head he was the right sort mr harry he would do and the watcher of the house stole out again Harry slept on, a great dreamless sleep, grey and formless as sleep of utter exhaustion always is. Then he suddenly woke to the dim twilight of the room, the orange glow of the dying fire, and the distant striking of the hour. It was six o'clock. As he lay back in his chair, dreamily, lazily watching the fire, his thoughts were of his father. He had not known that he would regret him so intensely, but he saw now that the old man had meant everything to him during those first weeks of his return. He thought of him very tenderly, his prejudices, his weaknesses, his traditions. It was strange how alike they all were in reality, the Trojans, Sir Jeremy, Clare, Garrett, Robin, himself, the same bedrock of traditional pride was there. It was only that circumstances had altered them superficially. Three weeks ago, Clare and he had seemed worlds apart. Now he saw how near they were. But for that very reason, they would never get on. He saw that quite clearly. They knew too well the weak spots in each other's armor, and their pride would be forever at war. He did not want to turn her out. She had been there for all those years, and it was her home. But he thought that she herself would prefer to go. There was a charming place in Norfolk, Rexopogus, that had been let for years, and there was quite a pleasant little place in town, Three Southwark Crescent. Yes, she would probably prefer to go, even had he not meant to marry Mary. The announcement of that little affair would be something in the nature of a thunderbolt. It was impossible for him to go, the head of the house must always live at the flutes, but he knew already how much that house was going to mean to him, and so he guessed how much it must mean to Clare. And to Robin? What would Robin do? Three weeks ago there could have been but one answer to that question. He would have followed his aunt. Now Harry was not so sure. 
there was this affair of miss feverel probably robin would come to him about it and then they would be able to talk he had had that very day a letter from dahlia feverel he looked at it again now it said dear mr trojan mother and i are leaving pendragon to-morrow forever i suppose but before i go i thought that i should like to send you a little line to thank you for your kindness to me that sounds terribly formal doesn't it but the gratitude is really there and indeed i am no letter writer you met a girl at the crisis in her life when there were two roads in front of her and you helped her to choose the right one i dare say that you thought that you did very little it cannot have seemed very much that short meeting that we had but it made just the difference to me and will i know be to me a white stone from which i shall date my new life i am not a strong woman i never shall be a strong woman and it was partly because i thought that love for robin was going to give me that strength that it hurt so terribly when i found that the love wasn't there the going of my love hurt every bit as much as the going of his it had been something to be proud of i relied on sentiment and now i'm going to rely on work those are the only two alternatives offered to women and the latter is so often denied to them i hope that it may one day give you pleasure to think that you once helped a girl to do the right thing instead of the weak one of course my love for robin has died and i see him clearly now without exaggeration what happened was largely my fault i spoilt him i think and helped his self-pride i know that he has been passing through a bad time lately and i am sure that he will come to you to help him out of it he is a lucky fellow to have someone to help him like that and then he will suddenly see that he has done a rather cruel thing poor robin he will make a fine man one day i have got a little secretaryship in london nothing very big but it will give me the work that i want and because you once said that you believed in me i will try to justify your belief there that is sentiment isn't it and i have flung sentiment away well it is the last time good-bye i shall never forget thank you yours sincerely dahlia feverel so perhaps after all robin's mistakes had been for the good of all of them mistake was indeed a slight word for what he had done and thinking of it even now harry's anger rose and she had been a nice girl too and a plucky one he had answered her my dear miss feverel i was extremely pleased to get your letter it is very good of you to speak as you have done about myself but i assure you that what i did was of the smallest importance it was because you had pluck yourself that you pulled through you are quite right to fling away sentiment i came back to england three weeks ago longing to call every man my brother i thought that by a mere smile a bending of the finger the world was my friend for life i soon found my mistake friendship is a very slow and gradual affair and i distrust the mushroom growth profoundly life isn't easy in that kind of way you and i have found that out together i wish you every success in your new life i have no doubt whatever that you will get on and i hope that you will let me hear some time from you things have been happening quickly during the last few days my father died this morning he was himself glad to go but i shall miss him terribly 
he has been a most splendid friend to me during these weeks then i know that you will be interested to hear that i am engaged to miss bethel you know her do you not i hope and believe that we shall be very happy as to robin he has as you say been having a bad time to do him justice it has not been only the fear of the letters that has hung over him he has also discovered a good many things about himself that have hurt and surprised him well good-bye i am sure that you will look back on the robin episode with gratitude it has done a great deal for all of us good luck to you always your friend henry trojan he turned on the lights in his room and tried to read but he found that that was impossible his eyes wandered off the page and he listened he caught himself again and again straining his ears for a sound he pictured the coming of steps up the stairs and then sharp and long along the passage then a pause and a knock on his door often he fancied that he heard it but it was only fancy and he turned away disappointed but he was sure that robin would come they had decided not to dine downstairs together on that evening they were all of them overwrought and the situation was strained they were wondering what he was going to do there were of course a thousand things to be done but he was glad that they had left him alone for that night at any rate he wanted to be quiet he had written a letter of enormous length to mary explaining to her what had happened and telling her that he would come to her in the morning it was very hard even then not to rush down to her but he felt that he must keep that day at least sacred to his father would robin come it was a quarter to seven and that terrible sleep was beginning to overcome him again the fire the walls the pictures danced before his eyes the stories of the fishermen in the cove came back to him the four stones and the man who had lost his way the red tiles and the black rafters of the bended thumb and then mary's beauty above it all mary on the moors with the wind blowing through her hair mary in the house with the firelight on her face mary and then suddenly he started up wide awake for he heard steps on the stair he knew them at once he never doubted that they were robins the last two steps were taken slowly and with hesitation then he hurried down the passage as though he had suddenly made up his mind then again there was a long pause before the door at last came the knock timidly and then another loudly and almost violently harry shouted come in and robin entered his face pale and his hands twisting and untwisting ah robin uh, do you want something come in uh, sit down I i've been asleep oh i'm sorry did i wake you up no thanks I, I won't sit down i've got some things i want to say i'd rather say them standing up there was a long pause harry said nothing and stared into the fire i've got a good lot to say altogether robin cleared his throat it's rather hard perhaps this doesn't seem quite the time after grandfather and everything but i couldn't wait very well i've been a bit uncomfortable out with it said harry this time will do excellently there's a pause just now but tomorrow everything will begin again and there's a terrible lot to do what is it was it he wondered robin's fault or his own that there was that barrier so strangely defined between them even now he could feel it there in the room with them now 
he wondered whether robin felt it as well it is about what my aunt said to you this morning and other things other things right from the beginning ever since you came back i'm not much of a chap at talking and probably i shan't say what i mean but i will try i've been thinking about it all lately but what made me come and speak to you was this morning having to ask you a favour after being so rude to you a chap doesn't like doing that and it made me think besides there being other things oh there's no need to thank me about this morning harry said dryly i shall be very pleased to do what i can oh it isn't that robin said quickly it isn't about that somehow that i mind at all now i have been worrying about it a good bit but that isn't what i want to speak about i'll go through with it breach a promise or whatever it is if only you wouldn't think me well quite an utter rotter i wish said harry quietly that you would sit down i'm sure that you would find it easier to talk robin looked at him for a moment and then at the chair and then he sat down you see somehow grandfather's dying has made things seem different to one it has made one younger somehow i used to think that i was really very old and knew a lot but his death has shown me that i know nothing at all really nothing but there have been a lot of things all happening together your coming back that business with dahlia uh, miss feverell you know a dressing down that i got from miss bethel the other evening and then grandfather's dying he paused again and cleared his throat he looked straight into the fire and every now and again he gave a little choke and a gasp which showed that he was moved a chap doesn't like talking about himself he went on at last no decent chap does but unless i tell you everything from the beginning it will never be clear i must tell you everything please i want to hear well you see before you came back i suppose that i had really lots of side i never used to think that i had but i see now that what mary said the other night was perfectly right it wasn't only that i sided about myself but about my set and my people and everything and then you came back you see we didn't any of us very much think that we wanted you to begin with you weren't exactly like my governor not having seen you all my life i hadn't thought much about you at all and your letters were so unlike anything that i knew that i hadn't believed them exactly we were very happy as we were i thought that i had everything i wanted and then you didn't do things as we did you didn't like the same books and pictures or anything and i was angry because i thought that i must know about those things and i couldn't understand you and then you know you made things worse by trying to force my liking out of me and chaps of my sort are awfully afraid of showing their feelings to any one least of all to a man robin paused yes said harry i know but all this isn't an excuse really i was a most awful cad and there's no getting away from it but i think i began to see almost from the very beginning that i hadn't any right to behave like that but i was obstinate and then i began to get in a fright about miss feverell she wouldn't give me my letters back although i went to her and uncle garrett and aunt claire all of us but it was no good she meant to keep them and of course we knew why and then too i saw at last that i behaved like an utter cad it was funny i didn't see it at the time 
but i'd seen other chaps do the same sort of thing and the girls didn't mind and i thought that she ought to be jolly pleased at getting to know a trojan and all that sort of thing but when i saw that she wasn't going to give the letters back but meant to use them i was terribly frightened it wasn't myself so much although i hated the idea of my friends knowing about it all and laughing at me but it was the house too my letting it down so i'd been thinking about you a good bit already you see you changed after aunt claire spoke to you that morning and i began to be rather afraid of you and when a chap begins to be afraid of someone he begins to like him i got aunt claire and uncle garrett to go and speak to dahlia and they couldn't get anything out of her at all so then i began to wonder whether you could do anything and as soon as i began to wonder that i began to want to talk to you but i never got much chance you were always in grandfather's room and you didn't give me much encouragement did you and then well, i began to be awfully miserable i didn't want to whine i deserved it all right enough but i didn't seem to have a friend anywhere and all my things that i believed in seemed to be worth nothing at all then i wanted to talk to you awfully and when grandfather was worse and was dying i began to see things straight and then i saw mary and she told me right out what i was and i saw it all as clear as daylight and so well I i've come not to ask you to help me about dahlia but whether you'd help me to play the game better i wasn't always slack and rotten like i am now when i was in germany i thought i was going to do all sorts of things but anyhow i can't say exactly all that i mean only i'm awfully lonely and terribly ashamed and i want you to forgive me for being so beastly to you he looked wretched enough as he sat there facing the fire with his lips quivering he made a strong effort to control himself but in a moment he had broken down altogether and hid his head in the arm of the chair sobbing as if his heart would break harry waited the moment for which he had longed so passionately had come at last all those weary weeks had now received their reward but he was very tired and he could not remember anything except that his boy was there and that he was crying and wanted someone to help him which was very sentimental he got up from his chair and put his hand on robin's shoulder robin old boy don't it's all right really i've been waiting for you to come and speak to me of course i knew that you would come never mind about those other things we're going to have a splendid time you and i he put his arm round him there was a moment's silence then the boy turned round and gripped his father's coat and then he buried his head in his father's knees benham entered half an hour later with harry's evening meal i will have mine here too benham said robin with my father there is one thing robin said harry a little later laughing what about the letters oh i know robin looked up at his father appealingly i don't know what you must think of me over that business but i suppose i believed for a time in it all and then when i saw that it wouldn't do i just wanted to get out of it as quickly as i could i never seemed to have thought about it at all and now i'm more ashamed than i can say but i think i'll go through with it i don't see that there's anything else very much for me to do any other way of making up i think i'd rather face it would you said harry what about your friends and uh, the house 
robin flinched for a moment and then he said resolutely yes it would be better for them too you see they know already the house i mean all the chaps in the dining hall and the picture gallery they've known about it all day and i know that they'd rather i didn't back out of it besides uh, he hesitated a moment there's another thing i have the kind of feeling that i can't have hurt dahlia so very much if she's the kind of girl to carry that sort of thing through if i mean she takes it like that she isn't the sort of girl that would mind very much what i had done is she said harry that sort of girl no i don't think she is that's what's puzzled me about it all she was worth twenty of me really but any decent sort of girl would have given them back she has what given them back the letters harry went to his writing-table and produced a bundle they lay in his hand with the blue ribbon and the neat handwriting for robert trojan outside robin stared not the letters yes the letters i've had them some days but still he did not move you've had them several days yes i went to see miss feverel on my own account and she gave me them you had them when we asked you to help us yes of course it was a little secret of my own and miss feverel's our if you like revenge and we've been laughing at you scorning you and we tried all of us and could do nothing i say you're the cleverest man in england score why i should think you have and then he added but i'm ashamed terribly you have known all these days and said nothing and i i wonder what you've thought of me he took the letters into his hand and undid the ribbon slowly i'm jolly glad you've known it's as if you'd been looking after the family all this time while we were plunging around in the dark what a score that we should have failed and you so absolutely succeeded then again but i'm jolly ashamed i'll tell you everything always we'll work together he looked them through and then flung them into the fire i've grown up he suddenly cried come of age at last at last i know not too fast said harry smiling it's only a stage there's plenty to learn and we'll learn it together then after a pause there's another thing though that will astonish you a bit i'm engaged engaged robin stared quickly before his eyes passed visions of terrible colonial women some entanglement that his father had contracted abroad and had been afraid to announce before well whatever it might be he would stand by him it was they two against the world whatever happened and robin felt already the anticipatory glow of self-sacrificing heroism harry smiled yes uh, mary bethel mary hurrah he rushed at his father and seized his hand you and mary why it's simply splendid the very thing i'd rather it were she than any one she told me what she thought of me the other night i can tell you fairly went for me by jove i'm glad we'll have some times three of us here together when was it oh only this morning i had asked her before but it was only settled this morning then robin was suddenly grave oh but i say there's aunt claire and uncle garrett he had utterly forgotten them what would they say the bethels of all people 
yes i've thought about it i'm very sorry but i'm afraid aunt claire won't want to stay i don't see what's to be done i haven't told her yet robin saw at once that he must choose his future it was to be his aunt or his father his aunt with all those twenty years of faithful service behind her his aunt who had done everything for him or his father whom he had known for three weeks but he had no hesitation there was now no question it was his father forever against the world i'm sorry he said slowly perhaps there will be some arrangement poor aunt claire did you tell grandfather no i wanted to but i had no opportunity but he knows i am sure that he knows their thoughts passed to the old man it was almost as if he had been there in the room with them and they felt curiously as though he had at that moment handed over the keys of the house for an instant they saw him his eyes like diamonds his wrinkled cheeks his crooked fingers and then his laugh harry my boy you'll do it's almost as if he was here said robin he turned round and put his hand in his father's i know he's pleased he said and so it was during the next week through the funeral and the gathering of relatives and the gradual dispersing of them again and the final inevitable seclusion when the world and the relations and the dead had all joined in leaving the family alone the gathering of trojans had shown beyond a doubt that harry was quite fitted to take his place at the head of the family he had acted throughout with perfect tact and everything had gone without a hitch many a trojan had arrived for the funeral mournful red-eyed trojans with black crape and an air of deferential resignation that hinted also at curiosity as regards the successor they watched harry ready for anything that might gratify their longing for sensational failure a man from the backwoods was certain to fail and their chagrined disappointment was only solaced by their certainty of some little sensation in the announcement of his surprising success of course claire had been useful it was on such an occasion that she appeared at her best she was kind to them all but at the same time impressed the dignity of her position upon them so that they went away declaring that claire trojan knew how to carry herself and was young for her years the funeral was an occasion of great ceremony and the town attended in crowds harry realized in their altered demeanor to himself their appreciation of the value of his succession and he knew that sir henry trojan was something very different from the plain harry but he had from the beginning taken matters very quietly now that he was assured of the affection of the only two people who were of importance to him he could afford to treat with easy acquiescence anything else that fate might have in store for him his diffidence had to some extent left him and he took everything that came with an ease that had been entirely foreign to him three weeks before claire might indeed wonder at the change in him for she had not the key that unlocked the mystery the week seemed to draw father and son very closely together years seemed to have made little difference in their outlook on things and in some ways robin was the elder of the two they said nothing about mary that was to wait until after the funeral but the consciousness of their secret added to the bond between them claire herself regarded the future complacently 
she was she felt absolutely essential to the right ruling of the house and she intended gradually but surely to restore her command above and below stairs the only possible lion in her path was harry's marrying but of that there seemed no fear at all she admired him a little for his conduct during their father's funeral he was not such an oaf as she had thought but she would bide her time at last however the thunderbolt fell it was a week after the funeral and they had reached dessert claire sometimes stayed with them while they smoked and as a rule conversation was not very general to-night however she rose to go her black suited her her dark hair her dark eyes the dark trailing clouds of her dress it was magnificently sombre against the firelight and the shine of the electric lamps on the silver but harry's wait a moment claire i want to talk called her back and she stood by the door looking over her shoulder at him then when she saw from his glance that it was a matter of importance she came back slowly again towards him another family council said garrett rather impatiently we've had a generous supply lately i'm afraid this is imperative said harry i am sorry to bother you claire but this seems to me the best time oh any time suits me she said indifferently sitting down reluctantly but if it's household affairs i should think that we need hardly keep garrett and robin it is something that concerns us all four said harry i am going to be married it had been from the beginning of things a trojan dictum that the revealing of emotion was the worst of gaucheries claire garrett and robin himself had been schooled in this matter from their respective cradles and now the lesson must be put into practice for robin of course it was no revelation at all but he dared not look at his aunt he understood a little what it must mean to her to those that watched her however nothing was revealed she stood by the fire her hands at her side her head slightly turned towards her brother might i ask she said quietly the name of the fortunate lady miss bethel miss bethel garrett sprang to his feet harry you must be joking you can't mean it not the daughter of bethel at the point the madman at the please garrett said harry remember that she has promised to be my wife i am sorry claire he turned round to his sister but she had said nothing she pulled a chair from the table and sat down quietly without obvious emotion it is a little unexpected she said but really if we had considered things it was obvious enough it is all of a piece robin tried for breach of promise the bethels in the house before father has been buried for three days the policy and traditions of the last three hundred years upset in three weeks of course said harry i could scarcely expect you to welcome the change you do not know miss bethel i am afraid you are a little prejudiced against her and indeed please please believe me that it has been my very last wish to go counter in any way to your own plans but it has seemed almost unavoidable we have found that one thing after another has risen about which we could not agree is it too late now to reconsider the position couldn't we pull together from this moment but she interrupted him come harry she said whatever we are let us avoid hypocrisy you have beaten me at every point and i must retire 
i have seen in three weeks everything that i had cared for and loved destroyed you come back a stranger and without knowing or caring for the proper dignity of the house you have done what you pleased finally you are bringing a woman into the house whose parents are beggars whose social position makes her unworthy of such a marriage you cannot expect me to love you for it from this moment we cease to exist for each other i hope that i may never see you again or hear from you i shall not indulge in heroics or melodrama but i will never forgive you i suppose that the house at norfolk is at my disposal certainly he answered then he turned to his brother i hope garrett he said that you do not feel as strongly about the matter as claire i should be very glad if you found it possible to remain that gentleman was in a difficult position he changed colour and tried to avoid his sister's eyes after a rapid survey of the position he had come to the conclusion that he would not be nearly as comfortable in norfolk he could not write his book as easily and the house had scarcely the same position of importance he had grown fond of the place harry after all was not a bad chap he seemed very anxious to be pleasant and even mary bethel mightn't turn out so badly you see claire he said slowly there is uh, the book and well on the whole i think it would be almost better if i remained it is not of course that claire's lip curled scornfully i understand garrett you could scarcely be expected to leave such comforts for so slight a reason and you robin she held the chair with her hand as she spoke the fury at her heart was such that she could scarcely breathe she was quite calm but she had a mad desire to seize harry as he sat there at the table and strangle him with her hands and garrett the contemptible coward but if only robin would come with her then the rest mattered little after all it had only been a fortnight ago when he had stood at her side and rejected his father the scene now was parallel her voice grew soft and trembled a little as she spoke to him robin dear what will you do will you come with me for a moment father and son looked at each other then robin answered i shall be very glad to come and stay sometimes aunt claire often whenever you care to have me but i think that i must stay here i have been talking to father and i am going up to london to try i think for the diplomatic we thought but the we was too much for her i congratulate you she said turning to harry you have done a great deal in three weeks it looks she said looking around the room almost like a conspiracy i then she suddenly broke down she bent down over robin and caught his head between her hands robin robin dear you must come you must dear i brought you up i have loved you always always you can't leave me now old boy after all that i've done all everything why he has done nothing he she kissed him again and again and caught his hands robin i, I love you you only in all the world you're all that i have got but he put her hands gently aside please please aunt claire i'm dreadfully sorry and then her pride returned to her she walked to the door with her head high i will go to the darcys in london until that other house is ready i will go to-morrow she opened the door but harry sprang up please claire don't go like that think over it perhaps to-morrow 
oh let me go she answered wearily i'm tired she walked up the stairs to her room she could scarcely see robin had denied her she shut the door of her bedroom behind her and fell at the foot of her bed her face buried in her hands then at last she burst into a storm of tears robin robin she cried End of chapter fifteen chapter sixteen it was christmas eve and the cove lay buried in snow the sea was grey like steel and made no sound as it ebbed and flowed up the little creek the sky was grey and snowflakes fell lazily idly as though half afraid to let themselves go a tiny orange moon glittered over the chimneys of the bended thumb harry came out of the inn and stood for a moment to turn up the collar of his coat the perfect stillness of the scene pleased him the world was like the breathless moment before some great event the opening of pandora's box the leaping of armed men from the belly of the wooden horse the flashing of excalibur over the mere the birth of some little child he sighed as he passed down the street he had read in his morning paper that the cove was doomed the word had gone forth the town council had decided the cove was to be pulled down and a street of lodging-houses was to take its place pendragon would be no longer a place of contrast it would be all of a piece a completely popular watering-place the vision of its passing hurt him so much must go with it and gradually he saw the beauty and the superstition and the wonder being driven from the world the old world and a hard iron and steel materialism relentlessly taking its place but he himself had changed the place had had its influence on him and he was beginning to see the beauty of these improvements these manufactures these hard straight lines and gaunt ugly squares progress progress inevitable yes useful why yes but beautiful well perhaps he did not know at the top of the hill he turned and saluted the cold gray sky and sea and moor the four stones were in harmony to-day white and pearl gray with hints of purple and their shadows ah beautiful and mysterious world he went into the bethels to call for mary bethel appeared for a moment at the door of his study and shouted hello harry my boy frightfully busy cataloguing going out for a run in a minute the door closed his daughter's engagement seemed to have made little difference to him he was pleased of course but harry wondered sometimes whether he realized it at all not so mrs bethel arrayed in gorgeous colors she was blissfully happy she was at the head of the stairs now just a minute harry mary's nearly ready oh my dear you haven't been out in that thin waistcoat but you'll catch your death just a minute my dear and let me get something warmer oh do now you're an obstinate bad man yes a bad bad man but at this moment arrived mary and they said good-bye and were away during the few weeks that they had been together there had been no cloud pendragon had talked but they had not listened to it they had been perfectly ideally happy they seemed to have known each other completely so long ago not only their virtues but their faults and failures with her arm in his they passed through the gate and found robin waiting for them hello you two i've just heard from mcfadden he suggests cantus in dover street for six months and then abroad 
he thinks i ought to pass easily enough in a year's time and then it will mean germany his face lighted with excitement right you are cried harry anything that mcfadden suggests is sure to be pretty right what do you say mary oh i don't know anything about men's business she said laughing only don't be too long away robin they passed down the garden the three of them together in norfolk a woman sat at her window and watched the snow tumbling softly against the panes the garden was a white sea the hills loomed whitely around the sky was grey with small white clouds hanging like pillows heavily in mid-air the snow whirled and tossed and danced claire turned slowly from the windows and drew down the blinds end of chapter sixteen end of the wooden horse by hugh walpole